living. Walk that bitch or die. So can you. Sid's dead, baby. This was Sid's my dead. Just beginning to something really bad. I have to go home. Yeah, he may be a superhero, buddy, but you're not invincible. You are home. Will I be lying to you for a week? I was trying to be romantic. Go to the coast. We get together. Have a few laughs. We will not go quietly into the night. They may take our lives. I'm Mitch. I'm Stephanie. And we're the Film Underdogs. Welcome back to Film Underdogs. This week we have Alex Walker Smith, voice actor and composer. Something like that. That's what he would say. What'd you get this information? Good to me. You just introduced (laughs) it. Good job. All right. Well, that works. Hi! Hi! Welcome to your podcast. Oh yeah, welcome, uh, welcome, Alex <laughs> Walker Smith, to our podcast called Film Underdogs. Have you heard of it? Yes. <laughs> you told me all about it. I know. Okay, so you do voice acting and composing, and that's right. All kinds of fun stuff, huh? Those are both fun things to do. Had you asserted in it? Well, I've been doing uh, voice acting since I was a kid. Technically, since I've been imitating the cartoons that I watched. You know, but professionally, I'd say I've been doing it for about two years. Well, at least that's how long I've been getting paid to do it. <laughs> but I've been doing it for longer than that, probably the last ten years. If if you can count, like stage acting, I got into puppetry about three years ago. I got paid to do that too. Nice. Uh, so yeah, that's in the in the Portland area. I was introduced to a company through a friend of a friend. It was called Dragon Theater. And this guy, uh, Jason, who's the owner of Dragon Theater, he writes all the shows, all the puppet shows, and he builds all the puppets. And up until he hired me, he did all the performances, too. It was a one-man show, and he'd have 12 to 20 characters per show. They're 45-minute shows. It's very impressive. And after every show, people were always like, how many arms do you have? How many How many people were back there? You know, Were those pre-recorded voices? And it's, not, it's all me. That's what Jason would tell everybody. And his company started doing well enough that he was like, I can't be in two places at once because I'm, I'm getting booked too often. And so he had to look for another puppeteer, which is kind of, it's not that hard to, um, well, and I wouldn't say it's not hard to be a puppeteer, but it's just, it's kind of a niche thing to find somebody who will be not only willing to make funny voices and do characters and memorize scripts and stuff, but also to play with toys, you know, behind a uh, a playboard where they can't see you and all they see is the, is the puppets. And it was a lot of fun, so I was doing that for a couple of years. Nice. So do you mainly do Mad Hatter for the company? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Dragon Theater also does uh, characters. Yeah. So they have, the, they have Dragon Theater puppets and princesses. So they have uh, a whole princess uh, side of their company where they have the original versions of those characters. So we have the Arabian princess, and we have Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast. When I joined the company, I wasn't doing the character work. You know, I was doing puppetry. So I could hide and not have to face anybody and just <laughs> sit back there and play with the puppets and have them talk to each other. Eventually, uh, they wanted to add more male characters because they had puppets and princesses, but a lot of times the princesses were just for girl parties because little boys were like, they don't, I don't want a puppet, I don't want a princess, you know, so eventually they added Mad Hatter. You know, they, they had some princes to go with some of the princesses too, but I wasn't very prince-like, you know, I'm a little more <laughs> kooky and nutty, and uh, so of course it makes sense for me to do a character like Mad Hatter. <laughs> Just talking about tea all the time and telling people they look dapper and not as dapper as me, but oh, how professional of me to leave my cell phone on during a podcast. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. So, that happened. <laughs> Let's hope that it peaked the audio. We had to start over. 
You guys gonna get sued for copyright for that? <laughs> I was stuck in traffic listening to that in the car. <laughs> had that on in the in the uh, the CD, and that was playing Star Trek: The Next Generation. And uh, you know, it's kind of weird getting stuck in traffic to music that's exciting, going like five miles an hour. <laughs> You're just like <laughs> just barely moving. Oh you want to be flying at warp speed. <laughs> warp speed. Make it so, number one. Captain, a Romulan ship is decloaking. They are arming their photon torpedoes. I suggest we raise shields. Lay that order, number one. Mr. Worf, thank you for your input. Shut up, Wesley! <laughs> Outside of Dragon Theater, there was a YouTube people called Flash Gits. And Flash Gits needed a Walter White impressionist because they were doing a Walter White versus Godzilla video. Because, uh, you know, God, the new Godzilla was coming out at the time and it was starring Brian Cranston, or at least he was in the movie. Turned out he was. Did you guys see the Godzilla movie? He was in it for like, what, 20 minutes? <laughs> they made it out to be this whole, I am Brian Cranston, I'm going to be fighting Godzilla. <laughs> You're hiding something out there, and you're not telling the truth about it. I don't remember how the trailer went, but you know, everyone's all like, "Oh, it's Walter White!" And then you go and watch the movie, and it's like, "Yeah, he's only there for the first ten percent of the film." <laughs> Executive decision. They made a big thing just like that about uh, Steven Seagal being in it. He was in it long enough to go up into an airplane and die. <laughs> that was the only reason I watched that particular movie because at that point I was really into Steven Seagal, so. That's before all of his movies became the same thing. That happens with a lot of stars when they get them signed onto a film. They just start plastering the hell out of their name. Yeah. And where it's got Robert De Niro in it. And Robert De Niro's in the trailer. And he says a line or two. He makes it look like he's the star, but it turns out he's not even in it till the very end of the movie. You yeah. know, that kind of thing. Limitless was that way. Did you ever see Limitless? Yes. Yeah, Robert De Niro showed up, what, in the last five minutes and said, like, two <laughs> lines? But he was in the trailer. Th- those two lines were in the trailer. So everyone's like, I'm going to go see Limitless. Robert De Niro's in it. Yeah. Yeah, the trailers they were showing, Steven Seagal was like, half of the trailer was him, and it's like, wait, he was only in like, a scene and a half. I don't know why, I, but I, I, even though a lot of movies do that, and it's, it's been going on for a lot of years, I still, like, the, the prime example feels like it should be the Godzilla movie that just came out, because I think that was the most phenomenal TV show, Breaking Bad, for like, what, the last couple decades maybe, right? So, of course, they're going to use that star power. They just got done doing Breaking Bad. People were still high off that show, waiting to see what's coming next. They announced they're going to do a prequel, and everyone's still talking about it, even though it's canceled. And then, bam, he's, he starts doing movies. Well, I guess he was doing movies during Breaking Bad. But still, wasn't Godzilla the first one, I think, after Breaking Bad? Yeah. So we can, we can, we can point at that and say that's a good example of that happening. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea. Oh, that's right. Samuel Jackson. That was, like, the best... Oh, when he died. Have you seen that movie? No, I remember when it was when it was coming out though. Well, the sharks. Shark in the water. <laughs> Isn't that the guy from uh, Jaws? Wasn't it about that? Am I am I wrong? Oh, it's about them testing, uh, trying to get a cure for Alzheimer's. Oh, I'm way off. On, uh, <laughs> I thought this was the you guys saw Jaws, right? Yeah. I thought it was the they made a movie about uh, what was that guy's name in Jaws? Who was a uh, you know. Yeah, that was his name. name. Something like that. I know who you're talking about. I just don't know the actor right now. The guy who's always yelling, Hooper! Don't screw it up now! Yeah. <laughs> and that guy told a story about the sharks. Yeah. About when his, uh, I 
Yeah. <laughs> Look into his eyes like a doll's eyes. Right? <laughs> I thought that Deep Blue Sea was about that, so I guess no, I don't know what Deep okay. Blue Sea is. Darn it. I fail. I fail. Okay. I, I lose the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was just the same kind of thing. Samuel L. Jackson, big time actor. He gets eaten by a shark pretty early on. (laughs) We're going to stick together. (laughs) It was great. That's great. I never saw Snakes on a Plane, but I assume the only reason that movie even had any traction was because I'm tired of these... What is he saying? There's an edited version where he's like, I'm tired of these mother-father snakes on this Monday to Friday plane or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't quite fit his lip flaps. No, no. <laughs> you guys know how that usually works, though? Is uh, Have you guys heard of the, uh, a looper artist? Uh, uh, somebody who's called a looper? A lot of times they might get the celebrity to actually do the alternate line for the TV version, but sometimes they don't want to have to pay Samuel L. Jackson Samuel L. Jackson rates to come in and just you know say a line over again and dub that over so it doesn't have the swear words in it. So they'll pay somebody who does an impression, and, uh, and you, you wouldn't even notice. Or I guess sometimes you do, you know. I'm going to kick your butt. You know, like sometimes it doesn't quite fit. Rob Paulson, the actor who played Yakko from the Animaniacs and Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, he has done looping for Jim Carrey because his voice is naturally kind of like Jim Carrey's, you know. It's kind of higher timbre, kind of up here, you know. The only difference is he kind of has a little bit of a lisp in there, but Jim Carrey doesn't. But, you know, he, he still went on to play, um, what was the character's name from The Mask? Stanley Stan Ipkiss. Yeah, he played Stanley Ipkiss in the Mask cartoon series. Yeah, and at first they had him trying to do the, the most spot-on Jim Carrey that he could, and they kept saying, oh, do more like this. You know, when, when Jim says it, when Jim does it, do this, and eventually he's just like, look, I'm not Jim Carrey. You know, I'm the guy who you get when you can't get Jim Carrey, and if you can find somebody better, I'd like to meet him, but I'm going to do it the way I do it, you know. Good for him for doing that, because otherwise they could have kicked his butt the rest of the session, and he just wouldn't have been having any fun. Also wouldn't have come out as good on the TV show. You can tell the difference when he actually gets comfortable with it and can... Yeah, play with it in his own way rather than trying to think of how fit it into Jim Carrey. Yeah, or having someone else tell him how to act. You know, yeah. be your own interpreter. You know, interpret the script the way you want to do it. Yeah, he has a good podcast. Talking tunes with Rob Paulson. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm an avid listener of that podcast. Yeah, I like the podcast. It's pretty good. Your uh, humble caster of all things pod, two-time turtle Rob Paulson. How's it going? <laughs> So today on the show we have the lovely and talented, he always says. <laughs> he called me lovely and talented when I met him. <laughs> Sometimes I don't, I don't think he's genuine. No, I'm kidding. He's the, most, he's the most genuine guy I've ever met. I had talked to him on you know, Twitter, just you know, message here and there, talking about the podcast, and as he interacts with his fans the way he does. Didn't expect him to remember me at all, but he did. He remembered our silly little conversation we had through Twitter when I met him at a Comic-Con. Nicest guy ever. I recommend his podcast. That, that's Talkin' Tunes with Rob Paulson. So Flashgits, what was I saying about Flashgits? Oh, right, <laughs> they found me. They were looking for a well, Walter White impressionist for the Walter White vs. Godzilla video that they were going to be making. They did a YouTube search for Brian Cranston impression. At the time, I think I was the only one up there that was doing Brian Cranston. And so and I just basically had gotten in front of my webcam and said, I'm going to try to do a Brian Cranston. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, is this his character from Breaking Bad? And no, 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 this is Hal from Malcolm in the Middle. You know, because he played a loving father in a different show once, so... It was enough for them to know that I could do it, even though I wasn't being as dark 
Say my name. Wasn't doing that whole thing, but they could tell. He knows how to get his cadences and da da da. So um, they called me, and this wasn't the first time I'd been called for doing free work. It's kind of popular that if you want to be an artist, people are going to ask you to work for free for the rest of your life. Don't know if you guys are aware of that. But there comes a time when you have to stop doing free work, you know. So I had reached that point where I was kind of tired of either, you know, working my butt off doing, you know, the voice work and stuff, and then it, it never even sees the light of day. Like the, the cartoon never got made or the video never got made or, you know. And so it was just kind of a, a time where I was like, I don't feel like putting effort into things that are just not real anymore. He had left a email first. I was like, oh, here's another one of those emails saying, hey, want to do free voice work. And so I was like, no, nope, I'm just going to not respond. And then Then he got my phone number. He called me. I didn't get the call. I saw he left a voicemail. I listened to the voicemail. He sounded serious. You know, first of all, he had a, a British accent. And, of course, when you're talking to somebody who has that sort of accent, you, you tend to trust them more. Because in the United States, we, we see that as an intelligence thing, wouldn't we? Yes. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, this guy sounds somewhat serious, even though he only sounds 22 years old. So I gave him a call back. At the time, I was busy, so I was just kind of giving him half my attention. You know, I was like, yeah, so what, what are you doing? He's like, oh, great to hear from you, bud. Yeah, we saw your video. We loved it. We were wondering if you were wondering. And he offered me to do the, the Walter White thing. And I, again, still wasn't taking it seriously. had no idea what I was ignoring because this is the thing that would set my career rolling, so to speak, you know. So eventually, yeah, we hunkered down and we hammered out a date to meet up where he could be on Skype while I was recording and direct me. And so uh, while we were doing that, I had the script for their cartoon which is only like you know three pages long or something and it, it didn't have that many lines but there was a lot of uh, you know there's a lot of walter white and a lot of other people and so i just i gave myself a running start every time walter said something by reading the other characters in between and bounce from character voice to character voice the way i always do the way i have been doing with puppets and stuff you know because you got one puppet who's talking over here and another one who's talking over here and another one comes up and he's talking like that and they're always talking to each other and you quickly changing characters and so it wasn't that difficult for me. I didn't really think it was kind of second nature. But then they were laughing on Skype going, stop, 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 stop. And I'm like, what? Am I doing something wrong? They're like, no, we just didn't know you were going to do all of them. We don't know if we can, you know, do you want to try to do more than one character? And I was like, I- I'll just do the Walter White ones, but I'll give myself, you know, the lines in between. They're like, no, go ahead and do them all. So I ended up doing them all. You know, because, uh, you know, when Walter White says something and someone says something back, I'll do that. And then another guy says something else, I'll do that. You know, it- it's not like I'm, like, doing other impressions at the time. Like, this, this is... Walter White was in it, Jesse Pinkman was in it, I did my best Jesse Pinkman, yo, which I don't think I have the best one out there. In fact, I think the one who does is my brother Andy. So I tell them, you know, my brother Andy does a better Jesse Pinkman and a better Walt Jr., which was also in the script. I said, if you want, you can contact him and, and he can record that for you and it, it'll be better than mine. And so they did. They replaced my Jesse and Walt Jr. with Andy. And meanwhile, I took uh, Walter White and everybody else in the script, you know, I think Obama was in it, you know, something uh, has to be done I think was all he said and that was close enough to uh, Obama even though I don't do uh, an Obama impression uh, so anyway then the, then the cartoon came out and I wasn't expecting the uh, the quality and when it came out it was much higher quality than I expected first of all it got made and I wasn't used to that I was impressed with it and it, it broke a million views within the first week if I remember correctly it's another thing I wasn't expecting people to see it <laughs> and the jokes were pretty raunchy, you know, and my name's all over it, and my picture's at the end of the video. Like, here's the voice actor saying all those gross things or whatever, you know? <laughs> like, uh-oh! <laughs> what did I get myself into? <laughs> anyway, so they immediately asked me to do another cartoon with them and another cartoon with them. And I quickly told them, I also do music. I could have written the mu- I didn't write the music for the Walter White one, but after that one, I think, if I remember correctly, I've done the music for all the Flash Gets cartoons since then, and uh, I think I'm in... Just about all of them vocally also, so... 
but the the biggest one was Racist Mario, which was I think the third cartoon that we'd done, and it broke a million within the first week, and then like the second week it broke five million, and we're like woo five million, and then the third week it broke ten million, and we're like wow, it's still going, and then the next week it was over it was over twenty million. I don't, I don't remember like the rate of it, but it's currently I think it's in the ninety million range, which is insane. Wow. Ninety million people are watching me do the most. <laughs> effed up things that I won't repeat on this podcast. Since this is a clean podcast, I'm, I'm going to say don't go look up Racist Mario on YouTube because it's raunchy and, and terrible and has many, many swear words and violence and dead people. <laughs> so it, it sounds like something I'll go look up when we're done with the podcast. If, yeah. you're, if you're good with cartoon <laughs> violence. <laughs> so after uh, that started to pick up and, and it's like anytime I worked with Flash Kids, we were guaranteed to get millions of views and that's, that's always a good thing. Because we got that rolling so well, and because it had to do with the team we had, Tom Hinchliffe, the head of Flash Gets, and we have Don, who is the lead animator, and we have Mike Winters, who was the sound designer. He did all the mixing and sound effects, and then there was me who did most of the voices and the music. And so with that team of, of people who are good at their craft, all working together on one project, I think has a lot to do with why it was so successful. So I'm at another company on YouTube called Mashed. Mashed produces a cartoon per week which is, that's pretty ambitious, especially for uh, a small team of people who are trying to, you know, they work with a lot of different animators, a lot of different writers, and I'm consistent with them. I, I think I do like every three or four cartoons I'm involved with, so whether it's music or voice acting or both. After that, Mike Winters was the one who pushed my name to the company he worked for called Somatone, which is a company that does sound design and music production for video games and mostly mobile apps. I had never had a real staff job it's not just freelance like i was used to freelance which is uh, you're only paid when you go and find the work and then once you do that work you no longer have a job again that's kind of a tough way to live project by project gig by gig i I don't know if i'm gonna make rent this month you know versus when i got the job at somatone thanks to mike it's steady income and constant work like it's i work for them so people go to somatone and say we need music and then somatone goes okay we can do that here alex write this music (laughs) that's just really fun you know so that's where i'm at now Writing music full-time, which is, it's a nine-to-six job, five days a week, so not a lot of free time now, considering I'm still doing, you know, Flash Kids, Mashed, and uh, if I can have time, Dragon Theater still, you know, it's a lot of, it's a really full schedule, but it's a fun schedule. You get to, I get paid to have fun all the time. Yeah, Spent many, yeah. many a sleepless nights. Oh man, that was the busiest, I, I, I say this like every month, but I think... Last month was the busiest month of my life, you know, and then of course I said that November also, and I said that October also, but it just seems like it keeps getting busier and busier. I worked myself into a fever, like I'd never done that before, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I don't get sick often, but I got myself a nice fever. I didn't throw up, but I felt like I wanted to. You know, I had a good migraine and everything, and it's because I I hadn't slept in a few days, you know, and it, it kept that up for a few weeks where I was sleeping maybe every other day if that, maybe a total of ten hours a week for like four weeks. It was crazy. Back when I was doing security, I used to do that. So believe me, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty soon you start hallucinating. That's not. That's not safe. Yeah. Fortunately, at the time I was taking the bus, so it wasn't that big of a deal. I might <laughs> have to catch a bus back to wherever my stop was because I'm. <laughs> start <you> know, wandering. <laughs> you know. Before you know, you'll be like naked in a grocery store somewhere. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> no. Pull a Walter White. <laughs> fugue state. Lucky for me, I, I, don't leave, I didn't have to leave the house the whole time because my job, I have my own studio, which I've slowly built over the course of years and years of collecting all the software and, and hardware and equipment and things. So I work from home. So I, I just wake up and go up to my studio and I sit in there all day until about six at night. 
And then after that, I stay in my studio and start doing my freelance stuff, you know, whether it's YouTube endeavors or whatnot. And when I'm ready to go home, I walk downstairs and I'm, I'm done with the day. So I don't have to get on a bus or drive or anything. So I'm allowed to be loopy, stupid, hallucinogenic, non-sleeper, even though that's not safe. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard on your body. It really is more when you yeah. do that for whatever reason. Even if it's something you love, it's still hard on you. Yeah, when you're not taking the time to recharge your batteries, you know. Yeah. Bad. You've got to find that balance between a little bit of downtime so that you can relax. And uh, that was my New Year's resolution. <laughs> I think I broke that day one, <laughs> January first. <laughs> now, yeah, the kids, you keep trying. It's like it's required for me to get my career rolling the way I want it to, and so I keep telling myself once it gets rolling and I don't have to keep pushing, then I'll take a break. Which I don't know when that'll be, but it might be years from now, and I'll just keep working until I have no hair left or something. You know? <laughs> We'll see. It feels weird going on vacation and stuff. Yeah, I had to figure out how to turn off work mode, which I couldn't for a couple of weeks I had off for Christmas. And even though I was not working, I still felt like I, like I would still wake up in a panic, you know? <laughs> like, I'm not, I could be, though. No, you don't need to. I could be networking. No, it's, a, it's a take a break. Everyone else is taking a break. They don't want to hear from you. Don't network. <laughs> you know? It's bad. It's bad. I did. I networked. <laughs> Over Christmas break. I shouldn't have. I was in Los Angeles, so I was like, you know, maybe I'll just send a message or two. And, and then I realized afterward, that was rude of me. They're probably trying to have Christmas. And <laughs> yeah, that pesky Christmas, you know. <laughs> Always stopping and halting productivity. A poor excuse to pick a man's pocket every December 25th. That's right. So uh, who are some of the voice actors that you look up to? Oh, well, like I said earlier, Rob Paulson. Oh, yeah, Rob Paulson yeah. yeah, he's been around since the 80s. He, he, um, his story is that he moved to Los Angeles. I forget the exact details, but he basically tells a story of how he moved down there and was living in his car saying, I'm going to do this or die. Even though I haven't taken that step yet, I still look at that as like, wow, he really went for it, you know? Yeah. He became Raphael of the Ninja Turtles back in the 80s. He was the original mm -hmm. Raphael, you know? And now he's still a voice actor, and guess what? He plays Donatello now for the current Turtles. That's why he calls himself two-time turtle Rob Paulson. You know, he's the only guy to ever play two Ninja Turtles. That's pretty, that's a great... He, he always says, I'm going to be the answer to a Jeopardy question one day, he says. <laughs> yeah, Billy West is another inspiration of mine, and he came about kind of in the early 90s also with Ren and Stimpy. He was the voice of Ren and Stimpy. At first he was just Stimpy, but then they got rid of the guy. And long story! I'm going to get on a tangent again. <laughs> he was Doug. He was... Uh, uh, he still plays the red M&M in all the commercials. You know, that recent one. Oh, so it's that kind of party. He takes off his red shell and he's chocolate naked underneath. You know? <laughs> uh, what else? Is oh, he was the Hunt of Cheerios Bee, you know, for a while. Let's see. Yeah, Fry from Futurama and Zoidberg and the Professor. Down in front! <laughs> Good news, everyone. Good news, everyone. No bad news. <laughs> Young lady, hand me a sandwich from the dumpster. And leave the maggots on it. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> My favorite uh, joke from Futurama. I laughed so hard when I first saw this one. It was when uh, Fry wanted to see the edge of the universe. Do you remember this one? And so they, they go to the edge of the universe, and it's like, when they reach the edge of the universe, it's like white. It's like a white void instead of black like space. It's white. And uh, there's like a little viewing thing you put a quarter in to view out, you know, and, and he views across the white to a parallel dimension where there's another Fry and uh, and all his friends, and they're all wearing cowboy hats. And then they wave, and so Fry and the, and the gang wave back. 
And he looks at the professor and goes, So there's an infinite number of parallel universes? No, just the two. <laughs> that show is so smart. There's only two universes, and the only difference between the two is that they wear cowboy hats in one of them. I, I lost it. <laughs> Anywho. Well, idols. Who else? Who else? John DiMaggio, also the guy from um, Futurama. He plays Bender, and I think either he or uh, Maurice LaMarche hold the uh, the record for most characters in a Futurama cartoon. I think... They're both like in the 50s or 60s as far as how many characters they play, which is insane. Wow. Maurice LaMarche is the voice of Brain from Pinky and the Brain. And he, and he of course, is on Futurama. He plays Lur from Omicron Percy I-8. I think this... Why do I know that tidbit? I don't know, but I forgot how to do Long Division because I had to make room for Lur from Omicron Percy I-8. <laughs> Good thing I know how to prioritize. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, idols, idols. You know, I, I've been watching uh, Josh Robert Thompson for a while. Have you guys uh, seen the Craig Ferguson show? No. The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson? No? I know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. I mean, he was on TV for like a decade. Oh, no, I know. He's a, okay, you know who that is? He was in the... Um... Oh, he was? Well, he was the boss, yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. And he played... He was in um, How to Train Your Dragon. I believe in learning on the job. He was the guy who trained him, you know? Anyway, uh, on the Craig Ferguson show, Josh Robert Thompson was the voice and puppeteer for the robot skeleton sidekick. Jeff the Robot, in your pants, Craig. <laughs> Do you guys remember that guy? <laughs> He's on the... I know, I fail, fail. You yeah, fail. fail. Eight years he was on that show and <laughs> you don't so know sorry. him. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Anyway. Conan. Conan? Conan O'Brien. I like some Conan. Yeah. His, uh, his manner of speaking is kind of like Jim Carrey in a way. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> Except Jim Carrey doesn't throw his hair back and forth the way he... Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Conan live once. He, like, did his... Oh, really? ...comedy tour thing after he was kicked off of NBC, that whole... Yeah. ...drama. He didn't want to go after midnight. He didn't want to be the guy who took that show to the next day. So he refused, and they said, okay, then we're going to let your show go. And then when he finally got another show, he was on late. I think it was after midnight, right? So he's like, I, I lose and I lose again. <laughs> I liked his beard when he came back. Yes. Kind of sad he shaved it. It was a good new look for him. Well, do you ever see him during the writer's strike? Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, uh, David Letterman had that same the same thing uh, going on there with the uh, the beard. So, I think my uh, my David Letterman sounds uh, a little too close to Kermit the Frog. So <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm gonna stop doing that now because I'm, I'm really going off on a tangent. Oh, she loves the Muppets. <laughs> You're a fan of the Muppets, huh? <laughs> yeah, did you hear I got a new girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really into piggies. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my new girl is uh, basically another pig. Go figure. Frogs <laughs> and pigs. <laughs> you have a Grover impression? Grover? Yeah. Grover, he's a monster. <laughs> the same voice as Yoda Grover is. Of this, were you aware? It's basically he talks inverted and lower, but it's Frank Oz, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, good old Jim Henson puppetry and and uh, consistent actors. Have you guys seen what uh, what Elmo talks like now? I have the whole um, Kevin Clash thing. He's no longer the voice of Elmo. Oh no, yeah. I, I haven't I haven't heard uh, or seen any Elmo since then, so I don't know if the guy who's now doing it sounds a lot like him or not. But yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you want me to talk or not. Always <laughs> confused. <laughs> And you the judge is saying that I have things to say. <laughs> you can go ahead and come on over. Elmo wants to know what 
you think of Emma? <laughs> Almost creepy. <laughs> it's really creepy. Yeah, Emma's creepy. <laughs> there is this uh, thing on YouTube of Elmo and Ricky Gervais talking back and forth. It's amazing. <laughs> that it's that like sounds great. Ricky Gervais is a master ever. improv yeah, artist. As is uh, Josh Robert Thompson, the guy who was just talking about the voice of Jeff the Robot on the Craig Ferguson show. He does improv. That's what he did the whole time while he was on the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson was basically just make stuff up on the fly with Craig. And there are even times where he says, yeah, they told me to not be so funny because he wasn't as funny as me sometimes. You know, <laughs> he might have just been saying that. But, you know, it's, I, I thought he was <laughs> – sometimes he was funnier than Craig. He had just the right things to say sometimes. He's also a looping artist. Like I mentioned earlier, a person who loops uh, celebrities. He has done uh, – Morgan Freeman has the best Morgan Freeman you'll ever hear. Uh, I don't know why. I just tried to do one considering he does it better than me anyway. So uh, – who else does he do? He, what's the guy's name who played uh, Man of Steel? Not, not the Man of Steel, but the, the other guy. Zod. He played Zod in the Man of Steel. What's that actor's name? I should know this. I don't really remember. Uh... Anyway, he doubled him in a movie one time. I remember him talking about. What else has he done? I think he's done Robert De Niro. Well, if he doesn't do looping for Robert De Niro, I know he's got the impression. You know, it's the, he puts the little dot on his face. And he says, I'll break your legs. I'll break your legs, I'll put them back together, and I'll break them again. <laughs> that's like his go-to light. I think he made that up. I don't think that's from anything, but Josh Robert Thompson. That's a, that's a current guy who's out there who I've, I've talked to a couple times over the internet, so I haven't met him in person. It'd be cool to meet him one day, but yeah. Yeah, one thing I noticed with doing voice acting, you really have to be animated as well. You can't just yeah. sit there and... Make your mouth. Oh, yeah. So, the people who are listening to the podcast, I was trying to make a Robert De Niro face just now. I think that's what they're. They weren't laughing because the impression was good or anything, because it wasn't. (laughs) But (laughs) they were laughing because I was contorting my face like I'm. Like maybe I just um, eaten a lemon. Very sour face, you know, the squinty eyes. And you really got to. Right? There, that's a visual now, so that you could you could hear the the lip smacking and the breathing. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, so here's a question for you. Yeah, please get us back on track. I don't know what I was talking about. Well, actually, this ties right into it in a way. I'm just curious because I have random voices in my head that pop out every once in a while, especially when I'm alone and don't have anything around to record it. You know. I didn't know about this, Mitch. <laughs> well, you, you'd be surprised. If I recorded the stuff that I say whenever I'm out doing my day job, people would probably think I was nuts, but you know. <laughs> How do you break down, if you've got a celebrity that you want to do an impression of or do the voice, whatever, how do you do it? Oh, that's a good question because most people think you need to change your voice right away to something, but really the most important thing, I think, is to get their personality. If you've watched enough of, say, if you watch enough of Robert De Niro, you'll know that his pacing, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. He says the same thing twice. He'll say it twice. And uh, when he's thinking, he says, and, uh, you know, and he'll open up his mouth like that and take a breath, and then he'll let it out of his nose, like. So I'm uh, doing a Robert De Niro right now. You know, it's kind of a little bit East Coast. It's kind of a amb- ambiguous where I'm from. I might be from New York. I might not. And then eventually... um you cover your your um, your teeth with your with your lips. You just keep them what you're doing, and because that's what Robert De Niro's voice kind of sounds like. It uh, he, his face kind of looks like that just a little bit. Then you kind of bring down the bring down the 
the, the pitch just a little bit, a little bit, and uh, add a little bit of air, I suppose. And then before you know it, you're making the face, you're doing the hand gestures. And I, I don't do the best Robert De Niro, but uh, this is, uh, I'd say it's passable, maybe. You're talking to me. <laughs> you're talking to me. The only reason I can even pretend to do uh, a De Niro impression is because I've seen Josh Robert Thompson do it for, I think the first time I saw him do it was like 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. I was like, wow, that's the only impression you'll ever need, I thought, when I first saw him do that. you know. So I started watching his video over and over where he was doing this Robert De Niro, and I'm like, he does do that. Robert De Niro does have those mannerisms. That's another thing to help you get an impression now is to watch someone else who's good at it because they've got all the nuances, and, and they, they, they exploit them. You know, I, When I do uh, Walter White, um, I had a friend who, uh, another voice actor friend, who told me that I do Walter White better than Brian Cranston does, which doesn't make sense. And I'm like, shut, what do you mean by that? Shut up. You know? He's like, no, 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 no. When I hear you do like, the lines from, from the show, it sounds just like Walter White saying them. And then I go back and I play the actual episode that you're quoting, and somehow it doesn't sound like it. You, you sounded more accurate than he did in the show. And I didn't understand what he meant by that. And, but eventually I kind of understood it's because I'm putting in the... Uh, the tendencies and nuances that, that Brian Cranston typically does, but cramming it all into one sentence. I am the one who knocks speech, you know? Oh. Which is something I unintentionally memorized. I honestly didn't try to. It's just people ask me to say it over and over, and eventually it memorized itself, I think. But so I'd say, who do you think you're talking to? Who is it that you think that, I, that you see? Do you know how much I make in a year? I mean, if you did, if, uh, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Can you imagine what would happen if I didn't go into work one day? A company the size big enough to be listed on the NASDAQ. I can't, I'm a little rusty right now. But anyway, so I'm doing all the tendencies and going up and down and saying, no, you clearly don't know who you're talking to. So let me clue you in, Skylar. I am the danger. You know, that whole thing. And so then, then after I did that for my buddy, and he's like, that sounds just like a blah, 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 which I think I got a pretty good impression and everything. But I was like, no, no, of course Brian Kranz did it better. He's the original. We went back and watched it, and it, was, it, was, it felt like – and he, I think he was a little bit right because I felt like, wow, this is a lot lower energy than I thought. You know, I was, I was giving it a little bit more character, but my character that I'm doing is over the top. It's not accurate. You know what I mean? So that that's kind of goes into it too. Like I said, personality. You have to get the personality down first. Because if I was to do uh, uh, Br uh, Brian Cranston from uh, Malcolm in the Middle, he didn't go down that deep, and most of the time he's, <laughs> you know, a little bit frantic and, uh, oh, Lois, uh, no, no, uh, don't worry, I've got, I've got it taken care of, honey. Listen to your mother. That whole type of thing. It's way different from the whole, say my name. You know, Jesse, we need to cook. It has to be done, Jesse. That's like two different characters, really. Wouldn't you say? Yes. Someone, someone, stop me! I'm, I'm gonna keep <laughs> it's rambling. Too entertaining. No, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. Sometimes I annoy myself. At some point. <laughs> and the thing about doing impressions too is that it's hard to get a job, get someone to pay you to do an impression, especially if it's something as as established as Brian Cranston's voice. Or if you do a SpongeBob, who cares? Tom Kenny is still working. Why do they want to hear me going, I'm ready, I'm Spongebob, when they can just pay some other guy who already does it and is the voice, you know? They don't want to hear me do that. So that's, an, that's a mistake I made when I made my first demo, was I did a lot of impressions. More than half my demo was impressions, and, and why would they want to hear me go, hey there, buddy, Johnny Bravo here, when uh, Jeff Bennett's still a working voice actor. So why would they want to hear me do it? So anyway, slowly I began to learn that, and I realized what they want to hear in a demo, what they want to hear in a prospective uh, voice actor, is new and original characters that you do. 
that you've come up with because they want you to give life to the character they've drawn or have conceived, whether it just be on paper or, or having been drawn or you know concepts or whatever. They, what they want is to see how you bring it to life. So if I sit there and do Johnny Bravo, what are they going to do with that? That's already a character. Right? They don't want to make another one. <laughs> yeah. So I've been straying away from doing impressions for a little while, but I, I still do them, of course. It's, it's a passion of mine to imitate, to listen to a voice and try to copy it, you know, break down why they talk the way they talk. Sometimes it can get you a job. I got a friend who's the voice double of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's done things for trailers and stuff because when the when they're putting a trailer together and a line from the movie doesn't quite work for the trailer because there's sound effects over it or somebody cuts them off with the with the talking or or it, for whatever reason they need to have that line but need to have it reset. They'll get a guy who sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger, not get because that would cost them millions of dollars to get him to come down to the studio. So my buddy, oh no. I don't know if I'm allowed to say his... No, 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 I'm allowed to say it, because he said it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if he's like signed NDAs, you know, because non-disclosure agreements, but I know these are long gone. So his name is Joe Gaudet, and he's, um, he's a voice actor. He did an NBC show, I think it was on NBC, it was called Astro Blast, it was on Sprout, and he played a character named Radar, and he, said, he's, he says he does an impression of Ty Pennington to do Radar. Oh, I forget what reality show that guy's from. Do you guys know Ty Pennington? Oh, the... Here's the voice in my head. The guy with the hair, right? Yeah. Yes. He's like a... Move that bus! Yeah. I think is what Joe always says that he says. But anyway, he he does an impression of Ty Pennington, which sounds kind of like Ty Pennington, but is really his own thing. Home makeover, what is it? Something like that, yeah. I was trying to get the... Yeah. We so, know what it is. a bad impression is a new character. Stimpy from Ren and Stimpy. He's doing an impression of Larry Fine. So you go back and watch the Three Stooges, and he goes, Hey, Mo, you leave him alone. And you're like, Hey, that sounds like Stimpy. It's because Billy West was doing an impression of Stimpy. Uh, I mean, uh, doing an impression of Billy... Uh, see, now I can't talk. Mm-hmm. Billy West, to do Stimpy, was doing an impression of Larry Fine from the Three Stooges. There we go. So, uh, only higher pitch, of course. Hey, Ren, will you button me? Oh, joy. You know, happy, happy. <laughs> and Ren himself, voiced by first by John Chris Velucci, was doing an impression of Peter Lorre, which everyone knows the Peter Lorre voice. As a matter of fact, Robin Williams did it in the Aladdin movie. I don't bring people back from the dead. It's not a pretty picture. I don't like doing it, right? <laughs> so that's what that's what uh, John Chris Belushi was doing the same impression for for Ren Hollick from Ren and Stimpy. And so when he would talk, he talked like uh, you know a, an exaggerated version of Peter Lorre. And then when, when he would get really mad and say, "You know what I'm going to do to Stimpy?" He'd start doing that type thing, you know. And you can do that. And Johnny Bravo himself is an impression of Elvis. True. You know, what are the odds? Had no idea this was an Elvis impression. Hey, hey there, baby. <laughs> Anyone ever tell you that I have beautiful eyes? Because I do. <laughs> Pick up lines from Johnny Bravo are never going to die. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey there, baby. You got a boyfriend? Yes. Well, you look like the kind of girl who could use two. See, but Elvis never said those things. So that's what makes it an original character, I suppose. It's it's an impression of Elvis, but it's a little off. It's not exactly accurate. He's not going, oh, 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 oh blue. You know, he's doing more than that. He does these, hey, ha, hey, type things. I guess uh, Elvis did that too, but not quite as exaggerated and cartoony. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm doing that thing where I go off on a tangent. Uh, what was the original question? I don't even... <laughs> um, I don't remember, but we can move on. <laughs> we were just talking about say, how to uh, create a character, or yes. how to do an imitation, that or... That was a long time ago. Yeah, See, that's how long it's, that's how long I went off on a tangent. So. <laughs> oh yeah, Shatner's gonna be there this year. Okay. Oh, is he? Yeah. God, he's like eighty-five now, isn't he? I met him a couple years ago at the con here. I uh, I took a selfie with him. It was a video selfie. Ooh. <laughs> I was like, hold on. I was like, selfie with William Shatner. I win. 
Of course, okay. he's too old okay. to talk the way we associate him in Star Trek. He doesn't quite sound that way anymore. Hey, you spelled my name right. People don't do that. It's it's pretty straightforward. It's it's yeah. my first, middle, and last name, right? Yeah. Alex Walker Smith. You'd be surprised how many people get it wrong. You know, I can't go by Alex Smith because that's like saying my name's Bob Jones. You'll never find me anywhere. Yeah. There's so, a bunch on uh, IMDb. I was looking. To Alex Smith. Alex Smith. Alex Smith. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there's no Alex Walker Smith. So if you type in Alex Walker Smith, the first thing that comes up is my website. That's that's what I need. So I got to go by my full name. So people will miscredit me as Alex Smith sometimes, and I'll say, "Please, like I said when we first started this project, please, Alex Walker Smith." And then they go, "Oh, sorry, I forgot." <laughs> it's not that hard, people. <laughs> and sometimes they'll hyphenate my middle and last name, like they think my last name is Walker Smith. So they'll be Alex Walker Smith. Like, no, 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 it's Alex Walker Smith. Three names. It's not that hard. And then other people will call me Alex Walker. I'm like, ah! I'm done. I quit the industry because no one can remember my name. Alex Walker, <laughs> Texas Ranger. Yeah, I got that since I was a kid. Thank you for oh, that. No. <laughs> oh, no. I am so sorry. You know, if that's the worst thing, though, that you've had, that's not too bad considering, well, I don't know. I loved uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, so I mean... If someone called me that, I'd be like, you better believe it. <laughs> I preferred Skywalker. If you're going to make fun of the Walker thing. Yeah. You know, now, yeah. That the, now that The Walking Dead's popular, uh, I'm that kind of Walker now. Yeah. I finally caught up. The Walkers. Oh, you caught up? Uh, I hate it. You don't like the show? Well, no. All the, all the <laughs> right now, just Where they're at. Yeah. They're so <clears throat> well, we're only mid-season. We're only mid-season. Have you got caught up? No. I'm on, like, season... Two. Okay, then I'm not going to talk about it because man, there's some exciting <laughs> stuff that happened last season, though. Well, I guess yeah. no, it wasn't last season. That was actually this season, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. The 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 exciting thing, you know what I'm talking about? That had the whole world holding its breath, right? <laughs> oh my I, I, god! It was so delayed. With like, I had such. What is he? He hasn't seen. I'm not saying anything. Okay. I'm just saying I had a huge gap in between that, so it's like when it was like the truth was revealed, it was like. Well, the series had a, like, I think there's like two or three episodes in between before they resolved the thing I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. So they did that on purpose, those jerks. <laughs> well, see, our thing is, uh, we love the show, but we live in kind of a country setting right here, even though we're right smack dab in the middle of Wilsonville. We got all kinds of land around us, so mm-hmm. it always bothers the wife when she had to go outside to do the laundry stuff or because it looks like the set of walking dead because there's all this open land around she's like just just like like, one day you should just you wear some dirty clothes and put on some fake blood (laughs) and just walk with your feet shuffling through some leaves and go (laughs) and see how she reacts i would do the makeup right (laughs) more than just fake blood i I do a lot of makeup and stuff like that so you do if I was going to do that, yeah, I would do the full. <laughs> and she would probably have a heart attack and then beat me with a rolling pin, so I won't. Because she had to hit the head, because she has to deactivate the brain. So she knows yeah. what she's doing. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> she knows how to do it. So, Alex, do you have advice for someone who wants to get into voice acting? Another good question. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm asked this question almost on the daily. <laughs> By people on the internet, you know, when they see my name in the credits for a cartoon, because there's a lot of them out there, and apparently one of them has 90 million views. So, so I get asked all the time, 
what is your advice? And the only advice I can give, which is really, it's pretty sound advice, is just do it. <laughs> you know? It sounds, it sounds like, oh, what a cop-out. But really, that's all there is to it. If you do it, it, it'll happen. If you don't do it, it won't happen. And that's the first mistake everyone makes, is they don't do it. You know, they just talk about it. And they, 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 they constantly ask, what do I do? What do I do? How do I get started? How do I get started? Just do it. Just, you know, you will work for free at first. You know, you need to get your chops down. You got to start doing stuff for people who uh, who might not ever surface their their content, like I told you, that sometimes happens. You know, but it, it, what I did gain from those things was experience. You know, also on top of that, um, you need to uh, be in LA for a lot of voice acting gigs, which I'm not in LA yet, which is why my my career hasn't taken off to the to the point I'd like quite yet. It's because I'm, I have to do everything over the internet. You know. If you're in Canada, Vancouver, BC is a good place you could live. If you're in the United States or if you're on the West Coast, you know, Los Angeles, uh, I think Chicago, I'm not sure about that. But look around, you know, in the Portland area there's stuff you can do too. So and if you're in if you're not in a big city, you're kind of at a at a disadvantage. If you're in any big city, there's probably going to be something you can do somewhere, a radio spot, a local commercial. That's once you start getting your chops down and everything, of course. But yeah. That's the best advice I can give. Oh, actually, I've got even better advice. Take advice from D. Bradley Baker. He's a prolific voice actor and creature artist, and anything with the with the throat, you, you'd be amazed with what sound effects and creatures he can do. But anyway, this guy D. Bradley Baker has a website. Hey, get this; it's really hard to remember. Ready? I want to be a voice actor. dot com. Right? He got he got that URL. Good for him. <laughs> so now, whenever anyone asks uh, him, you know, what do I do to get started, he'll just say, type in I want to be a voice actor. dot com, and go there. Because he, he manages this site himself because he's been asked for over a decade or however long. He's, he's been around for a couple decades, I think. He's got every question you can imagine. He has an FAQ section, and he takes it personally upon himself to answer as many different types of questions as he can. So anything you can think of is probably on there. He also gives advice on how to make a demo, um, how to make the move to Los Angeles, how much money you should have, every tiny little detail. He has examples of what demos sound like, what an agency is and what they do, and why you need one, and how to work with your agent as opposed to work for your agent or have your agent work for you. Those you know, Having your agent work for you or working for your agent isn't ideal. Working with your agent. And that sounds kind of cheesy, but it's true. What, what he has to say about that is very true. Another thing is uh, get familiar with the community, like listening to Rob Paulson's podcast, it's called Talkin' Tunes with Rob Paulson. And it's uh, it's got interviews with all of Rob Paulson's friends who are professional voice actors, and they give a lot of their insight. No two stories are the same when it comes to how somebody becomes a famous voice actor or a prolific or even a mildly successful voice actor. Everybody has a different story. The only thing that's that's consistent from story to story is that they did it, is that they, they had the drive to never quit. You know, they, it was they had to do it or die, you know, that kind of attitude, you know. Don't don't die. It's have the attitude of do or die, but don't die. And wouldn't you say Vine is a good place to go? If That's you're a good not like in a big city or something. Yeah, Vine is a good networking tool. I've I've discovered. I've been using it for like a little over two years now. And you can meet people. You can send messages to people. You can view their their profiles and see what kind of impressions or voices they do. It turns out impressions are pretty big on Vine, which is uh, I, I'm not like huge on Vine or anything, but I have made a lot of connections on Vine. Uh, a lot of the people who I, who I've worked with, I've met through Vine. So and, and Facebook also. Social networking. It's hard to do sometimes, but it's kind of necessary, you know, to talk to somebody who's you know a thousand miles away. What else are you gonna do? Because phone calls are considered rude these days, sadly. 
<laughs> I thought you were huge on Vine. I don't know. I guess you just have a lot of videos. I have a lot of... I think I have like a thousand videos on Vine or something. But I, I think I've got maybe 10,000 followers or something. Oh, no. Uh, I actually just saw it the other day. I just broke 14,000 followers. Oh, snap. Woo! It's not quite, you know, what Flash Gets has on their YouTube page. But, you know, <laughs> so when I'm, when I'm not... Uh, Partner with someone else making full content. I'm I'm down in the low thousands. <laughs> yeah, I'm not huge on Vine or anything. I was showing people like the Pee Wee Herman one. That was really good. <laughs> 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 Thanks for having me on your podcast. <laughs> What's the secret word? Today's secret word is podcast. You all know what to do when you hear the secret word. Scream real loud. Let's try it. Excuse me, sir. What exactly is this medium where we record on a little microphone and you put it up on the internet for people to listen to it? A podcast? Ah! <laughs> you said the secret word! I'm, uh, I'm annoying myself here, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. No, I was just asking just to hear that, actually. But yeah. <laughs> You knew I was going to get off on a tangent. You planned this. Do you have a website? My website is alexwalkersmith.com. An affiliate is FlashGits, spelled F-L-A-S-H-G-I-T-Z. All one word. That's the guys who make those raunchy cartoons. So if you don't like cartoon violence and swearing, then don't look that up. Um, And another one, just as violent, is Mashed. So if you look up Mashed on YouTube, they do a lot of different cartoons. Uh, they, a lot of different animators work with them. So, uh, and they, like I said, they do a new cartoon every week, which is that's like I said, it's really ambitious. Jeez, <laughs> that's crazy, actually. Yeah. yeah, they've always got stuff rolling, always in the works. Because a cartoon, like a three-minute cartoon, when you have a team of one or two animators, that's going to take a month or two. You know, by yourself, you can't produce a series by yourself. You got to have a team. So, anyway, those those are my plugs. All right. Um, look me up on Vine, Alex Walker Smith. Look me up on Periscope, yeah, Alex yeah. Walker Smith. And YouTube, go all the way back. back. Don't don't look me up on YouTube. Do, don't <laughs> don't do that. I'll edit that part out. Don't <laughs> <laughs> no, you can look. I mean, I, I I don't do much on YouTube, and when I did, I I look back at my old YouTube stuff and cringe. You know, other people delete their old stuff, but I find it too nostalgic. I think otherwise I would. On a professional standpoint, I probably should because my impressions and my voice acting have only gotten better in the last ten years. And I, you know, ten years ago when I first started YouTube, I was well, I was seventeen. <laughs> my voice hadn't dropped yet. I was just getting into college. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, making videos. And, and if you look up my name on YouTube, that's what you find is ten-year-old. So, so don't. But then it shows the progression. <laughs> but people don't know that. They think I'm still like that. Some awkward kid with pimples. Going, oh, look at me, I'm doing Family Guy impressions, but I can't quite do it because my voice hasn't dropped yet. <laughs> the only one I could do back then was Quagmire because his voice is high. <laughs> All right. You know, I did a Stewie Griffin uh, in that video I'm referring to. and You know, back in the day, Stewie used to talk like this. I don't know if you remember, but he had a lisp, and he said, When the world is mine, your death shall be quick and painless. You know, but now he doesn't talk like that at all. You know, now it's more like this, and he hasn't, doesn't have the lisp at all, you know. And, oh, he does this sometimes, too. Oh, yes, you know this, too, you know. But back then it was, yes, return my device, vile woman. And so when people go back and they, or when they look up my name on YouTube and they find that impressions video, they go, this guy sucks. That's not what Stewie Griffin sounds like. And I'm like, yes, it was. He changed over the years, you know. 
<laughs> Come on, give me a break. It was accurate ten years ago. <laughs> but that happens with, with characters in, in cartoons. When they first start, they're still getting used to what they're doing to interpret a character. And then, you know, a couple seasons later, they might sound completely different. Did you guys watch Fairly Odd Parents? <clears throat> The guy who did the voice of Cosmo originally did it sort of like this. It was like a Phil Hartman impression. You know, but now, of course, Cosmo's like that. I can't really do a Cosmo, but you know. (laughs) Philip! He's way different now. (laughs) Of course, next time, we'll have to talk about your uh, drive-thru experiences. Oh, I did on on Periscope sometimes. I go through the drive-thru as various characters. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I let the people on Periscope decide who I'm going to do. <laughs> the other day I went through there is uh, Bruce Campbell, because uh, I was working on a Bruce Campbell that day, and I think I might have Periscoped it, and so people saw that I was doing Bruce Campbell, so later on when I was at Taco Bell, they were like, hey, you should go through the drive-thru as Bruce Campbell, and so I did. You know, just, Hey, I just want a burrito, is that cool? You know, I don't even remember what I said, but <laughs> just basically staying in character the whole time. And the more the more I do it, the more nasally it gets. And before I know it, my Bruce Campbell sounds like Nas. So I got to make sure that I remember what he sounded like in Burn Notice, right? The first thing I got to do is go see a guy about a book. The other first thing I got to do is some cardio, because my heart is pounding like a high school quarterback on prom night. Ash versus the Evil Dead. <laughs> Uh, I, oh, we were supposed to be ending the podcast, weren't we? Yeah. We so were, you got to stop me. It was my own fault. Like, when I start going. Somebody stop me. <laughs> P-A-R-T. Why? Because I gotta. <laughs> Good old Jim Carrey. I can't do my impressions anymore. They're going away. <laughs> you were doing a Sean Connery earlier. No, but that was like the thing I would do in high school and my friends would make fun of me for it. <laughs> Everybody listening, I don't know if she's done on the podcast before. But while we were off because of technical difficulties, she started doing a really good, for a woman, uh, a Sean Connery. It sounded like a female Sean Connery. Now she refuses to do it. What? <laughs> Actually, her mic was still going, so... Oh! So edit it, back, edit it back in. No, it wasn't yeah. because... No, mine had stopped. Yours was still going. People are going to see your Sean you Connery, whether you like it or not. There it is! <laughs> Let's go to the drugstore and get a milkshake. I can't do the consistency. Like, it's like only a couple of lines of dialogue I can do. I'm still working on it. Like you said, do the... Get into character. Read the back of a mac and cheese box. (laughs) Read the back of a mac and cheese box of Sean Connery. (laughs) If you can do that, you can say anything. Yeah, that's true. Boil on high for two to six minutes until desired consistency. (laughs) Add cheese and milk. Stir. Don't forget the butter. <laughs> Don't forget the butter. And shake it all together. Don't stir it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the Christopher Walken one that's hard. Like, um, I lost it. I don't know. It's not as good anymore. Oh, man. Okay, well, maybe if I ever come on the podcast again, I'll, I'll start plugging other actors I know who do. I, this is a guy I know. Who, his name's Chad. Chad Cook, and he does the only Christopher Walken impression you'll ever need to hear. It's so good. It makes me laugh so hard every time. Look him up on Vine. Oh, yeah, we're still podcasting, aren't we? Hey, everybody, look up Chad Cook on Vine. He does Christopher Walken better than anyone. I'm not even going to pretend to do a Christopher Walken because you're you're about to look him up, Chad Cook, and hear the best Christopher Walken, so I'm not even going to try. What about girls doing it? You know, I'm pretty good. You you do a Christopher Walken? Yeah. Do it! (laughs) Never mind, I take it back. 
Stephanie's is the best. No, it's not. I haven't even heard it yet, and I just know. You've heard it once, but it wasn't that good. But, uh, <laughs> like, um... Whoa, okay. You know... I'm Christopher Wacken, and you better listen to me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Christopher Wacken's face is that red all the time, though. Oh, no, it's really gotten red. Really <laughs> that was good, though. <laughs> you said of a bad joke that I did as Christopher Wacken. did it a couple of times, but I haven't practiced that in so long that I'm not going to even try it on here. <laughs> Two mice fell into a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. But the second mouse just kept struggling. And eventually, he churned that butter into cream. And he crawled out of the bucket. As of this moment, I am that second mouse. What movie is that from? Ah, Catch Me If You Can. That's what it is. Oh. <laughs> I did a Vine years ago where I was, uh, re- I was reminiscing as... Christopher Walken doing okay so I was doing that speech and then suddenly he was reminded of the events of Mouse Hunt did you ever see that movie where he gets his butt kicked by a mouse so I was like two mice fall into a bucket of cream I don't like mice just like he's troubled by it (laughs) he can't even get through the speech (laughs) you got mice I think it's up on the ceiling mostly shouldn't take me more than a day or two to remove it Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go upstairs now. Yeah, we're we're all going. What are you doing? He's not listening anymore. He's all. Am I, I'm quoting Mouse Hunt now, and I bet you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. I know the movie I haven't seen in a long time. We just watched it the other day. So this is <laughs> oh. You're getting the reference. <laughs> my sons, I want to give you my most prized possession. <laughs> oh, pop. It's a piece of string. It's the string I picked up on my first day in America. And now I want to give it to you. What are you doing? I'm breaking it in half. No! No? Why not? I want you two to share it. Forever. Alright, here. You take it the first 50 years, I'll take it the next. And turn up the morphine a little. I heard that. You guys, you guys remember that part? <laughs> are we still po- are we still podcasting? Is it still recording? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you done many podcasts? It sounds like it. <laughs> this is my first podcast. What? Yeah, I've never done a podcast before. Oh, uh, well, I hope we can get you back on at some point. <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> I'll come back on as Nathan Lane. You all saw Mouse Hunt. You know who I am. I was the voice of Timon yes. from The Lion King. <laughs> hey, kid, what's eating you? Nothing. He's on the top of the food chain. <laughs> what tomato? <laughs> Nothing. What tomato you? <laughs> you know, I've always waited my whole life for someone to actually say the line, what tomato? So that you can say it, it back? It's never come up in my entire life. You know, that's because most people know the word motto. Yeah. That's exactly. my that's my motto. No one's going to go, what's a motto? <laughs> yeah. I've always hoped, though. I've held that <laughs> that someone would say that. No dice. Would be wrong, you probably can't. Can you do a David Bowie impression? Or is that kind of... David Bowie just passed away last night. 
We're all sort of still getting over that. I don't think I can. I've never tried, so I don't know. But I think I can imagine the way he did speak. It's almost as though he had a vibrato at all times. (laughs) As I'm doing it, I'm noticing I'm starting to go into John Malkovich, whose (laughs) diction is incredible. (laughs) We're still podcasting, aren't we? Yes, we are. (laughs) That's like the 12th time you've This is going to be the longest podcast you've ever done. Oh, no. The most no. <laughs> Have fun with that one. This is <laughs> not even treat. close to the longest. <laughs> I think we've had a two-hour one before. Yeah. Crack it yeah. down to one. Wow. That's a lot of content to cut. I thought they cut too much uh, on this one, right? No, yeah. No, probably. actually, this one's going to be nice and easy for most of it, I think. <laughs> Even though they keep right. getting off topic the whole time. <laughs> I, f- I feel like I say um a lot. Most of the time when you've done the um thing, it's part of a uh, impression. So that that part about mind is when every other word is um. It becomes, you, know, so, you know, I don't I don't record myself in normal speech situations very often. Whenever I record myself, I'm reading a script or being a character, so I don't hear my regular speaking voice very often. So when I do, I'm always like, "Is that what I sound like?" <laughs> I should just stay in character all the time. Right. I just sound like an, I, 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 uh, I I I do that thing where I go, I, 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 <laughs> start stuttering on myself like an idiot. Uh, I also do this thing where I say, "You know what? I, you know what I mean." I say that way too often. Have you guys heard me do that this time? You'll you probably hear it a million times. I, 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 I'm unconsciously saying, you know what I mean, too often. I don't know okay. that I do until I hear her. Okay, now here's a question for you. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, sure. Here's just a little question since you happen to bring that up. Any advice for people on how to stop doing the um or... Uh, or that kind of stuff where they're speaking. Because well, there's like some people do it a lot. There's a lot of techniques to get rid of that. There, uh, I remember in um, speech class in high school, my teacher guy said that it's better to repeat the word "and" over and over again until you can think of what you're trying to say. But I disagree with that. Like, because then you have somebody who goes and 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 then says something, and that's more annoying than saying "and um" and then saying something. To me, you know. <laughs> I guess I, I don't know what advice I would give. I'm I'm still struggling with it myself, with uh, trying to talk faster than I'm able to and stuttering on myself, or trying to think of what I'm trying. So just now, I would have said um, but I'm still I'm always consciously trying to fight um, you know. So I when I paused, I'd rather I'd rather pause and then come back. Yeah. For me, I do this, the Porky Pig thing on accident, where I want to say one thing and then I'm going to say the other thing, but I say the same thing. Entity, entity, entity. And then he gives up on a word. I... Oh, I spilled my 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 cup. <laughs> now there's water all over the there's water all over the ground. <laughs> okay, oh, son well, of a bitch, be- son of a bitch, be- a gun. <laughs> and with that, and that's all, folks. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Oh man, let's talk about films. He is a creature of the night, of the darkness. He does not let anyone or anything get in his way. He always gets his way. 
He goes too far, but not far enough. He is always two steps ahead of you. No, make that ten. He is a creeping creeper who creeps creepily. He is just an innocent bystander, thirsty for blood. He is the Nightcrawler. This week, Mitch and I are reviewing the movie Nightcrawler. It starred Jake Gyllenhaal as Lewis, Rene Russo as Nina, Riz Ahmed as Rick. We had Bill Paxton in there as Joe, the camera guy, cameraman person. It was directed by Dan Gilroy, and he also wrote this one as well. It looked like it was uh, his directorial debut. So you like this movie a lot, right, Mitch? A lot. No. No, I didn't. <laughs> I saw this movie when it came out to theaters, and I thought it was very thought-provoking and <laughs> very intense, and I thought it was very well done. And I was like, hey, Mitch, let's watch this, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it and be an interesting review. And indeed, it's going to be one. <laughs> It's going to be an interesting review, all right. Uh, this is actually the first movie that we've done together that I really just haven't liked. We'll get into why here in a little bit. The basic concept of the movie is you have a, I don't even want to say out of work character because it doesn't seem like he was ever actually after work. He just seemed to be one who... Wants to sink his claws into something. Yeah, he wants the money, but he doesn't want to actually have to do the work for it. First thing you see him doing is stealing a bunch of scrap, that kind of thing. And then trying to sell it, and of course the uh, scrap dealer that he's talking to to sell it knows that he stole the stuff. It's pretty obvious. And then Lewis uh, actually tried to get him to hire him. While he did have the one line out of the movie that I really liked, if you want to win the lottery, you have to earn the money to buy a ticket. Which I thought was really just a cool line, and even the guy that he's trying to get a job from kind of chuckles at it, but basically when he pushes the issue of uh, hiring him, the other person tells him, I'm not going to hire a thief. This is kind of the setup to the movie, and then as he's going home, he sees a car accident, and he notices a cameraman out there taking a video of the accident scene, and he goes over and he talks to him, says, you know, what are you doing, uh, that kind of thing. And that's where he gets introduced to the idea of becoming a videographer for the uh, news companies. And basically what it is, like a paparazzi for the uh, newscast. And so there's your basic setup. And he basically just gets worse and worse uh, as the movie goes on about what he's willing to do to get a good shot. And I think where my biggest issue was is he kept crossing the line, crossing the line, crossing the line. And... 
There's no repercussion to it. There's no penalty for breaking the law. And in a couple of situations, he does. And so that's a big part of what I didn't like about the movie. It was just aggravating that he gets away with this stuff and yet nothing bad ever happens to him. He gets away with it. He gets to move up, you know. But we can talk about that more Mm -hmm. here in a few minutes. Uh, So he gets his first video and he takes it to the local TV station, ends up talking to Rene Russo, uh, Nina, She's the program director for the news station. And he uh, ends up selling her the video and then just keeps going back as he gets more and more. So, all right, let's take it from there and kind of get into this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, he couldn't do it on his own, so he uh, put out an ad just... I was hiring and Rick had no clue what he was getting himself into but he needed money and then it was like hey it's an internship uh <laughs> he's like yeah it's no pay he's like uh, kinda, uh, I kind of need some money <laughs> and uh you know doesn't he uh kind of negotiate to get some kind of like he's like $30 a night then and he's like okay and it just oh my god he's like so intense and so uh what would you call like berates Rick all the time for he just starts out and you know and he's like you need to tell me when to turn and all that and he freaks out at him because he's like he's basically his navigator for when they are able to figure out there's some kind of police uh what is it like police code and they're like police are on their way to some scene and they are going to try to get there before them so they can get everything on camera and i don't know lewis always freaks out on rick for a lot of things when it's he's still pretty new at it and it's just kind of sad yeah they use a um police scanner to hear what's going on and then they basically try and beat the police to the scene so that they can get the best video. And of course there's other uh, video people out there uh, trying to get the same video as them. And so they've got to get it and get it to the uh, TV studio the quickest in order to uh, make the most money on each video. Yeah, I mean, cool, it's this guy that's trying to get to his prey and like a predator and um i I mean he was more he i mean he was like a night crawler yeah that's what like but those are like worm things but uh (laughs) but maybe it was more of like crawling in the night crawling in the night but i saw him as like so many different animals like a coyote a hyena or like a, a vulture like just trying to pick at what he can to survive Clearly, Lewis's character is, is a sociopath and pretty much manipulates everyone in his path. No. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much... Uh, everyone in the entire movie that he talks to, 
he's trying to manipulate him in some way or another. There's no one in this film that he doesn't try and manipulate. And just that style of character, I've dealt with some of those kind of people in my normal life, and I don't need to deal with them in a movie. That's kind of where I didn't like him. And I think, actually, the way he treated everyone, he shouldn't have gotten away with as much as he did or been able to push people around. But they let him do it because he he has good points that he makes, but then he also just, uh, he'll keep pushing a point and uh, pushing it in a way that pretty much forces people's hands and makes them have to uh, agree with him or else they're going to have a direct confrontation which it seemed like everyone was backing down from confrontation in this movie and so they would everyone would kind of give in to him and I think other than the scrap dealer at the beginning who basically told him he wasn't going to hire him that's the only person that he didn't fully manipulate in one way or another throughout the movie and he even says it towards the end of the movie. He was talking to Rick. And Rick had said earlier in the movie that Lewis didn't know how to handle people. Didn't know how to talk to people. And Lewis said towards the end of the movie. It's not that I don't know how to handle people or deal with people. It's I just don't like people. And that was the sense of him through the entire movie and I've got to say the scenes in the movie that I really liked were the ones that didn't have him in them and the camera follows him from the time they show him the first time he's in every scene until they zoom out from the city so that kind of goes to show where I'm at about it I I don't know I just uh the movie the way he was dealing with people just made me angry. And to sit there and listen to or watch this just made me more and more angry. Till at the end of the movie I was actually physically angry watching him. And I'm sitting here just going, okay. And at one point I almost turned it off because of a scene that came up. And we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. But I almost turned the movie off even knowing it was for the podcast. In fact... If it hadn't been for the fact that we were doing this review, I probably wouldn't have finished the movie. So, it was just one of those. And, you know, I understand everyone's going to have their own point of view on movies. Everyone has their own taste. You know, it's okay. I can see where some people would like the movie. For me, it was just, uh, it didn't work, you know. There were so many negatives to it and not enough positives. I didn't think there was any characters in the movie other than maybe Rick that I cared about. Renee Russo's character, at first you um, are kind of going with her and saying, okay, you know, there's a decent character being manipulated. And then towards the end of it, that all goes the direction it goes. So it's like, at the end... Rick was like the only character there that was even uh, a decent human being to me. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> let's not get totally into the negative, Yeah, my point of it. But. That's cool. 
Um, I mean, for me, it was just a character study, and I enjoyed it because it was kind of like so intense and hypnotizing in a way. It's like it was so hard to take my eyes off of him because his eyes are so because he's so gaunt looking and his eyes are huge. So it's like, okay, you're pretty intense, buddy. And then like. In a way, maybe he manipulated me into liking it. I don't know. It was an intense movie. I'll give you that. Yeah. I mean, it was just... Uh, I mean, true, I do love Jake Gyllenhaal as an actor, and the, uh, he's a celebrity crush, but that was in no shape or form in this movie. Uh, so at least it wasn't like that, where it's like, oh, it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Of course I love it. No, it wasn't like that at all. It was just more... It, maybe it was just the intensity and just because he was crossing the line well just like the the shots were really good too and just like um it's just kind of like getting into his head and just kind of like seeing how a sociopath's mind works and maybe it's because a part of me is just really into psychology so that's why it interests me more because I was like oh this is how his mind's working and that's really fascinating and that was probably why I enjoyed it. Cause if I knew someone like that in person, I probably would, it would hit a chord. Uh, it definitely would. And if I wasn't interested in psychology, I'd probably be like, this guy's terrible. Uh, like just how you reacted. I, maybe that's just why I like it. And, um, and I always have had a fascination for mental illness and mood disorders and all that. And just like how, people with those issues think and like what they're going through and like I did feel really bad for Rick because he was like the only average person in this movie like or average character or whatever like Nina was in the entertainment business so she's like I have to be cutthroat and then yeah she was manipulated and and then kind of got alongside with him with being you know kind of kind of like yeah we need to cross some lines too and she was just kind of like uh toe to toe with him on that almost and he led her down a path that she was already prepared to walk down i think see and when we're talking about crossing lines the first thing he does is he shows up at a crime scene where something's happened and you see the uh owner of the house she's outside on the porch talking to the police and there's been a murder because there's a uh, coroner there and he goes and crosses the uh, police line to get a better shot of what's going on and no one stops him so he goes in the side door of the house starts videotaping inside and uh, moves some stuff around to get a better shot and he's filming the uh police and the uh, lady from inside the house he's filming them standing outside the house and so there's this whole thing here where he's already starting to cross a line and he's still pretty new at it at this point yeah and then he sees the pictures on the the pictures on the refrigerator and he's yeah. like i need to put this in a certain order to make it have a more defined you know sense of like here's the family and here's these people this is their life instead of having it scattered because he wanted it front and center well he also i think wanted it to be 
nice and framed in the shot so he wasn't standing back from it and there's this whole scene, he wanted those two pictures to be right there. Yeah. So that's where he starts going downhill. Later on, he keeps crossing small boundary, small boundary. He ends up at one car accident first. He can't quite get the shot he wants. He's like looking at it from all these angles and there's no police there yet. No one is there. He's getting right up into this thing and going up close and personal with everything, looking at the body and all of this. And it doesn't quite satisfy him for where the body is. So he actually moves the body at the at the uh, accident scene so that he can shoot it from a certain angle and have it look better. And so at this point, he's really crossing the line now, you know. Oh, yeah, that was, like, later on in the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. And all of these videos that are coming in, especially the ones that are crossing the line, you know, Rene Russo's character is just kind of going along with it, and uh, she's really pushing for them to put all of this on the screen. You know, they want that up there. They want the shock... Uh, the shock value of it because it sweeps weak and all this so each time he crosses a line I like him just a little bit less a little bit less at the beginning of the movie I don't like him but I don't hate him either it's just like okay well whatever he's trying to make a living doing something he hasn't done before so all right you know it's interesting and each time he crosses these lines it just aggravates me a little bit more and a little bit more and I think a large part of that is because of the way the police are just apathetic about it. They just don't seem to care that someone is crossing the line. Well, there is like a defining scene to show how far he'll cross these lines where there's a police report, right? Like, or was it like a... Yeah, it was a police report. They heard it over the scanner and... It was of a home invasion that was going on. And they get to the crime scene while it's still happening. The yeah. uh, the bad guys are still in the house. and yeah. but He hides in the bushes, you know, because they're clearly coming out. And he wants to get a good look at them, at least on camera. And they're... The driver's, oh, well, their, their license plate. And uh, in my head, it's like, oh, so, okay, so just so you can report the crime and all that. And so he'll have it on record. That's cool. He got that on camera and recorded. And then he's like, he just goes for it and has the camera. It's almost like one of those found footage movies where it's like the camera person has the camera and they're just behind the camera not doing a thing. They're just kind of documenting everything. And, yeah, he just uh, sees some... Was it just he sees some blood, and then eventually a person that's dead, you know? Well, as they're coming up the stairs, he, he saw the... Uh, or heard the gunshots from outside, and he sees the people leave. And one of them dropped their uh, shotgun on oh, the yeah. stairs. That's right. And so, I mean, he's even looking at this, and I was almost expecting him to move it to a better location for the shot. 
but he walks by videos that and so everything from that point on while he's in there is pretty much found footage yeah and it's it's really brutal i mean why would someone even show that kind of a murder scene on the news like that's a little too much i mean i've watched the news it never gets that intense and i've heard them say like oh this is going to be pretty graphic you know uh very discretion advised but it's never gotten that intense and maybe it's because what are they in LA so I don't know I mean I know it's just a movie but I don't there was a big push for a long time and it's still even going on a little bit today but not as bad but they were really trying to push for bigger more horrific videos and stuff like that so this is kind of based in reality I think that's part of what I didn't like about it because I know these idiots are out there doing this stuff. Oh, no. And I understand, not to get on a total tangent here, but I understand the journalistic point of view of some of this. You're there to document what's actually going on. You're not there to interact with it. There's kind of this whole concept out there in journalism that you're there to document what happens. You're not supposed to take part in it. Okay, Mm -hmm. you're the observer. That's it. Your job is to get the video. This is what happened. And then let someone else decide what to do with it. And I kind of get that. But in this particular situation, he goes in the house, he sees the first body. And then he wanders through the house, avoiding puddles of blood and stuff like this. I mean, it's, it's bad. And he finds another body. I think there were just two bodies in the house. And then he goes upstairs and goes into a baby's room. This is where I was ready to turn the movie off. They're going up to a crib. And of course they've got the, there's already a tent scene. They've got the music going. They've got everything going. And you're like, they're not going to show, they're not actually going to go so far as to show a murdered baby on this movie. That is the scene where I was ready just to say, nope, not going to do it. I don't care if it's for the podcast or not. You know, that was my breaking point. And especially if there would have been anything in that crib, um, yeah, I probably wouldn't have even reviewed the movie on here. I would have just been that aggravated. That kind of gives you an idea of where my limit on that is. Of course, they go over the top of the crib real slow, and there's nothing in it. But he's already crossed this huge line in my mind where it's the point of no return. At this point, the only thing that would make me like him more is if he got hit by a truck where he went outside. So that was where the movie lost me, honestly. It wasn't that I was excited about the movie up till that point, but when he's in the bushes, you almost think for a moment that he's going to do the right thing and turn that video over to the police and help them solve this. That's not what happened. So <laughs> uh, uh, so what did you think of the murder house scene? Well, I thought it was, yeah, like he was at first just documenting everything and then, yeah, the whole thing with the baby was pretty lame because it was just so he could get more shock value. And, I mean, as the movie itself, having that scene in there, 
I was okay with it because it was just showing more of his character because it's like I didn't think there was going to be a dead baby in there like it was just him being crazy <laughs> um and trying to I mean even they they replayed that part on the news in the in the movie and it was just like oh come on do they really have to play this on the news but I guess they you know Nina was already out of her mind and was like this is total shock and value and that was the scene that really pushed her over the edge see this is the breaking point for both characters was he had crossed some lines up to this point but he hadn't gone totally over the edge and especially not in my mind it's like okay there's still some some redeeming qualities not much but there's some redeeming quality to him up till this point. Okay. Same thing with her. Uh, he had basically tried to force her into having a relationship with yeah. him. She had told him, no, bugger off, it ain't gonna happen. So up to this point, they haven't crossed this huge line. Okay. So at this point, he takes that video in and shows it to him. And so they start negotiating again what he's going to get out of this. And this is the point where he basically tells her, when I tell you a price, that's a price you're going to pay. And you're not going to argue with me about it. It's not negotiable. Oh, yeah. And you're going to sleep with me. We're going to have a relationship and you're going to do what I tell you to do. This was the second breaking point because I'm watching this and I'm, I've got hope for her character that she will say, no, I'm not going to play this game. Get out of here. Take your video. Get out of here. Instead, the exact opposite happens. She goes right down that line, buys the video, buys into the relationship, and then you have basically no redeeming quality out of either of those characters. They both totally crossed this line where they shouldn't have gone. Well, he did say, without me, you won't get the ratings. And she thought about that way too much and let that get to her head, like you said. And I get that. I mean, I was... I think she got too intense there, too, with how she was approving of his... Maniacal, by, <laughs> maniacal behavior and stuff. He tampers with the brake lines on a competitor's van who's out trying to get the videos because he basically is getting in the way of Lewis being able to get the good shots. He's always getting there first. So Lewis actually cuts the brake lines or does whatever he does underneath there. You see him come out from underneath it and then he's racing to the scene where that van is run into a uh, brick wall and you see the uh, um, other video person being pulled out of uh, the car on a stretcher and all bloodied up and he's got the camera right in his face. And so, I mean, it was, he basically crossed so many lines there that it was just, there was no going back from it. Yeah, I mean, 
not even Bill Paxton's character was as ruthless as he was. He just was, it was just a job for him and he was good at it, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like he kept, you know, he was nothing like Lewis. Yeah. And he was ruthless, but he wasn't that bad. Well, as far as we know, I mean, we didn't follow him around, so who knows? (laughs) But, so that whole thing was aggravating, and then, okay, so they play the uh, video from the murder house on the station, and the police come and say, you need to give us that tape that's uh, evidence, and they end up giving up uh, Lewis and saying, Yep, he's the one that did the video because he happened to still be there at the time when the police show up. Okay, so here comes the second part of what really irritated me about this movie is they had two police that questioned him about this whole thing. And they said, okay, you took a video inside of a murder scene. You were in there after these people were killed and you left the scene. And he basically says, well, I'm a journalist. That's what I do. I thought they were coming back, so I left. And you see him walking away from the police station. And the I thought the police officers in this movie were played extremely flat. She gets aggravated at one point and says, well, I think you're a liar. But... With what was there? Now, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not anything like that. But the way I understand it, he wouldn't have been walking free. I'm sure there were things that he had done at that point that were crossing the bounds of what's legal, what's not. And so I I really was aggravated whenever they show him walking free because it's like, no, I'm fairly certain that isn't what would happen. And the police just weren't. To me, they weren't believable as police. They just seemed very flat. They kind of bought into his into his spiel and didn't prevent him from leaving. You know, didn't arrest him or anything like that. And he uh, deals with the police twice in this movie, and it's the same thing in both situations. And you know, I honestly think. I didn't uh, buy into the police being police. It felt flat, felt fake. Um, And honestly, for them, I thought the acting itself could have been better. But in the end of the movie, we're not going to go into the final scene and all of that. The one thing at the end that I did want to talk about, though, is the fact that he gets away with all of this and walks away. And there's no repercussion, and the stuff that we're not talking about in the movie is serious enough that he would have gone to jail, and there's no... um, He was interfering with a uh, police chase, putting his car right in the way, and then ended up just being right there for a huge uh, scene. And there's no way that he would have walked away with that without jail time. It's just not real. And I realize it's a movie, but it just, that whole last, uh, from the murder house on, I was just so aggravated with it that it was not good. But 
I honestly think he would have been arrested, and instead, you see him with three trucks, or three vans, and three interns at the end of it, all wanting to go out and do what he does. And so he succeeded, and walked away from it, totally unscathed, even though Everything leading up to that, he should have been in jail or dead, one or the other, you know. And honestly, I think the movie would have been a lot better for me if they had just changed the final scene on that movie to where either one, he's in prison, or two, he gets killed by something. I don't care if it's by a runaway bus. I really don't. His character needed to die or be put away at the end of the movie. And I guess that was the aggravating part because it's like he doesn't he doesn't pay any consequence for being a complete scumbag through the entire movie. You know, and I understand there's movies out there like uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs where the really bad bad guy escapes at the end. But the immediate bad guy, at least dies, you know. Hannibal Lecter's character escapes, but other than a few things, everything's been yakky yak in it. You don't actually see him do anything. Okay. And so it's like, okay, you know that it's a bad thing that he gets away, but it's not quite as bad because hey he helped the good guys. You know, he did something good at least. Yeah. Whereas in this movie he doesn't do anything useful, causes a series of events that is just horrific, and walks away succeeding and more successful than before. So, I'll I'll say I did like that it ended with him with recruits because it was just because he was crazy and. I think it was, I understand, like, yeah, the cops totally could have gotten him arrested and everything, but I felt it was just more of the end has to be him getting his way, because that's his character. He always gets his way, and no matter how much you hate it and can't take it, and he just had to get his way. If he got hit by a bus or something, it would feel like, I think it would just be flat at the end. Or if he went to prison. In the final scene where guns are blazing, he could have been the one dropped instead of the person who got killed. Even if both people ended up getting killed, okay, but the fact that he survives the movie just... Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, I totally get it with, like, really hating a character... And they have characters that you love to hate... And they they have, like, movies that are all about the villain versus the protagonist or whatever. The antagonist, you know, is the focus instead of the protagonist. But like, I haven't seen American Psycho yet, and I know that one people do enjoy, and I don't know the end result for that one or anything like that, but... I see, that's one that I like, so... Okay. My opinion isn't that every bad guy needs to die... Or every bad guy needs to go to jail. There are a lot of movies with bad guys, even bad guys that you don't like, that they get away. And you're like, 
ugh, you know? It's like, that's not quite right, but this one, for some reason, it just... Got under your skin. It touched some nerves with me that just, uh, it drives me nuts that they ended it the way they did. I think it was like, I mean, it was a little bit over the top with each character, uh, except uh, Rick except Rick, because he was the only, like, normal type person. But the cops, I would say they were supposed to be like that because there would be no other way for him to get away with it. And, I mean, the writers probably... You probably hate the writers for that. I could see that. But they probably were thinking, what's what's the way he can get away with this? Uh the cops are stupid i mean i could tell if, of course they wanted to make it seem like okay the one lady female cop was definitely you know smelling something fishy there but they didn't push it they didn't push it and it could be sooner or later like maybe you know he will be convicted and they'll find something and they'll dig up something on him but for now, he just has to get away with it. And maybe you could just think, okay, he's not going to completely get away with it. Just for now, he is. No, see, but I was thinking about that. this because <laughs> this actually bugged me to the point where all day at work the next day, I kept thinking about this movie. Oh, no. What I see from where they left off is if you look at the 20-year view down the road, is he's probably at that point, either started or is one of the higher-ups in a news uh, news company himself. You know, basically, that's his start. Now he's president or CEO or whatever of some major corporation, news corporation, because of what he is, you know? Yeah, I and, mean, like he said, he's a, a quick learner. He didn't go to school. He was... Well, Dove, of course, he's a sociopath, but, like, he, uh, he's all self-taught, and the internet's full of education. Yeah. And so, he's a quick learner, and has his man bun, and he can get into people's brains, and then manipulate them, and to where they somehow come to his side when they really don't want to but his force of hand is so strong that they're like oh man I have to do this but he, he picks the people that, that's something that bugs me more about this movie is the whole movie is about manipulation and at the end of it it manipulates you whether you want to be manipulated as a viewer of the movie you're manipulated into either liking him okay and either way i mean everyone has their own view on any given movie just because i don't like it doesn't mean that anyone else is going to like it or hate it or whatever you know not expect someone to like it or not just because i do or don't in this uh case but i feel like i got manipulated into hating this character and so in a sense I got manipulated just like the other characters in the movie did, you know? And I'm like, because at this point, even now, I am physically tense and aggravated just talking about this idiot. (laughs) And it's been difficult 
to follow my own no swearing rule in this podcast because of what I want to say about oh. it. So it's it's a it's that kind of thing where I'm I'm not a fan of the movie. Yeah. So I think that's, cool. that's apparent, you know. There are some movies that are gonna be like that that you're gonna really love, even though the bad guy gets away it doesn't happen the way it should, but some there's some movies out there you're gonna love like that. Other people are gonna hate it, you know. And this is just one of those cases of I can't stand this movie, <laughs> and Stephanie thinks it's great. And there's neither point of view is right or wrong, you know. It's just it's who we are, and it shows a differing point of view. And it's good to have that, I think, on the podcast because you get different differing views that way yeah get more information one thing i just thought of i don't know if i'm wrong or not but i think he was like he picked who he could manipulate he could figure out like this person i know what they want or or what they uh like what drives them and probably the scrap metal guy whatever he just well it was maybe an experiment i don't know we didn't know how he was before that if he'd tried it many other times with other employers but yeah that was one guy he couldn't couldn't budge and he was able to figure it out who he could on some of the crime scenes especially at the crime scenes when he dealt directly with the police they didn't budge they didn't buy into his thing Oh, yeah. You know? But the ones that were investigating him did, and that just, that bothers me. Well, because he actually got to talk to them with the uh, the police yeah. on the scene. They're like, hey, get out of here! And, you know, in his face, it wasn't like, I'm going to talk my way out of this, because I'm really uh, smart. <laughs> I know where I'm at on this one. <laughs> so uh, no stars... No, no stars for you, Mitch, on this one uh, for the one well, to five, huh? You might actually be surprised at what I'm going to give it. So negative. Um, no, uh, for you, what would you say? I would give it five stars. <laughs> I, I figured that's where you were at. This might be a surprise to you guys, but I'm actually going to give the movie two and a half stars. Okay. <laughs> because well, I'm getting faces here, so. Now, Hold I'm gonna, it. I'm going to give phone. it two and a half stars. I don't like it. I can say without reservation that I most likely will never see this movie again. However, they did a good job with the way it was filmed. Overall, I thought it was a decent story. They had a good plot to it and everything. I just didn't agree with it. What about the character development? As in, you see how he progresses in his insanity... Yeah, you know, there were certain things I can, even though I don't like the movie, I can respect it. I won't give it more than two and a half stars, but I'm not going to say it's no stars, because it was actually, depending on who you are, you might actually enjoy the movie. And I can look at it and say the videography was really good. There were some really interesting scenes that were actually a little more empty of people than what I thought they would be. I can see why you didn't give it zero stars, and that's because 
movies are supposed to provoke some kind of emotion and it definitely provokes something (laughs) inside you Mitch so I think you are putting forth you know that there's some kind of quality to this movie because it did provoke a lot in you even if it was a negative reaction it wasn't like you gag me with a spoon the acting was terrible and like oh god it was you know so unbelievable with every single thing and with romantic comedies or like horror films sometimes well horror films you can't count that but uh <laughs> you know well, with some movies it doesn't matter what the genre is there are movies in every genre that are just unwatchable i mean and it's not because the plot isn't there or whatever it's either the acting is super bad there's no plot there's all kinds of things that can go on in the movie that makes it really bad and in this situation i thought the videography was good the uh, scenes were interesting there was very little about the movie that i didn't like other than the character you know and the fact that everyone kind of bought into his thing that character bugged me but the rest of it i can look at and go okay well it was actually an interesting movie it had an interesting plot and an interesting theory to it it was just you know there were things that i didn't agree with about how they did it two and a half stars for me i think that's fair i'll never see it again but you know it's one that if you don't mind a little blood guts and gore because there's a bit of that in there but it's more realistic though it's not over the top um as long as you don't mind that and you want to see one that will definitely elicit a response go see that movie because I don't care who you are, if you walk away from that movie and you don't feel something, then you're lying. Hmm. Or you're a sociopath. That could be. Okay, well, I think we're going to end that one there. Uh, The next movie will be Amelie. So a couple things that we wanted to talk about before we get off of here today. We've lost a couple of people this last week. David Bowie passed away... Wednesday morning, and then Alan Rickman passed away on Thursday morning. So this has been kind of a bad week for celebrities. It was uh, cancer in both of those situations, and they both lived very good lives, but it's always hard when you lose one actor, let alone a couple of them back-to-back, and then today we lost Glenn Frey from the Eagles. Been kind of a rough start to 2016. I did want to talk about Alan Rickman for a minute because he's actually one of my favorite character actors. First thing I noticed him in was Die Hard. It seemed like every time I turned around there was another movie coming out and I'd go, He looks really familiar. Who is that? And then I'd go back and go, oh, wait, yeah, that's Alan Rickman. The second movie I noticed him in was Dogma, and that's where I actually started to really notice him as an actor, because it was, I looked at him and I'm going, man, he seems really familiar. And then I go back, realize who it is. And then, of course, he was in Robin Hood. Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. Uh, Graftal's Hammer. I shall avenge thee. (laughs) However he says it. We need your help. (laughs) He's in love, actually. Yeah, he's in love, actually. 
It was really good. Marvin the Depressed Robot in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And I was like that. Uh, then, of course, most people are going to know him from the Harry Potter series as Snape. Severus. Severus. He was in a lot of movies. And I think out of the uh, recent deaths in the celebrity news... That's the one that kind of touches me personally the most because I've enjoyed his work in so many things at this point. Yeah, it, it affected me too. Uh, definitely more so for some people that I know and at my work too. Like uh, one of my friends there, I didn't have to say anything and she like did like a snivelly like well she does that anyways just when something's kind of sad but like and just we hugged and she was pretty sad during that time at work I work at a call center so they have their screens up above usually where they have announcements and stuff but during the holiday time I think it was like early December to like couple days ago actually they've been playing movies <laughs> randomly uh on mute with ca- closed captioning but anyways they, they've been playing harry potter a lot and then you know all the films back to back big marathon it was pretty cool <laughs> but yeah so especially that day i think they were like showing a film and halfway through it they stopped it and they started playing harry potter films again and that was pretty crazy just like it was starting, you know, from number one. And so it was like, okay, when are they going to show Snape? When are they going to show him? Oh my god, there he is! No! And it was just like, pretty weird. And it didn't affect me like others. And then it still was sad, though. It was just like, seriously? Like, people stop dying now? And, like, I was talking to a co-worker who's probably... I was saying, I guess that's just what happens when you get older. Like, the people you look up to, your heroes, just kind of start passing away because they're getting pretty old. And, you know, and he said, well, when you get to my age, people you know start dying off too. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, dude, get more morbid. Why don't you? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, it was a sad day. And, his voice though I think that's something that will stay in my mind forever it just it was very unique and deep and you know, there was no other voice out there like that so it's very memorable yeah I don't know and he, I, I will always see him as, as Severus Snape uh, you know smacking them in the back of their heads and all that and getting all like emo and like oh, I'm the half blood prince and all that I think my favorite thing I've seen him in other than Harry Potter because I mean that's that's of course the big one but Dogma and Die Hard but especially Dogma I liked his character because for once he didn't play the bad guy he was still kind of jerky but he wasn't the bad guy out of the uh, movie and so I thought it touched on a few interesting things in that movie Uh, concepts that I kind of hold to be true and he's the one that's voicing the ideas that have been in my head for a while so it's like okay 
I just kind of connected with him in that movie, and I really, that's where I really started to notice him. I'd always liked Die Hard. That's obviously my favorite movie. I mean, anyone who listened to the last podcast knows that, but... If you're a liar, that's not your favorite movie. You've never seen it before in your life, ever. Maybe only (laughs) once. In Dogma, I saw a new side of him, and he actually seemed to be more of a character even than he was in Die Hard. So, I mean, it was the character I liked. And Severus, you know, I didn't like him in that, not because I didn't like him. I thought he did a great job. I just never liked Severus, even at the end of it, I didn't like him, even though they said, well, yeah, he's a double agent or whatever the whole time. I guess I was so invested for so long and kind of going right along with him and hating him. I couldn't just switch back over and say, okay, yeah, he's a good guy. Oh, yeah. It's cool. But, you know, it's just not what I could do. He did an extremely good job in that role. I don't think anyone could have done it quite as well as he did. Yeah. You know, love him or hate him in that role, that's what he was, you know? I mean, I do think back to Galaxy Quest, though, (laughs) just because it's been a while, a long while since I've seen that. And then Dogma, I'd only seen it a couple times, and I really didn't enjoy that movie. I just need to watch it again, and then I'd be like, I agree with you, Mitch, but it's been forever. I mean, I enjoyed his character, though. That's awesome. Um, Galaxy Quest, I've seen that many, many times, but it has been a long time. And I enjoyed his character, especially, like, you know, one random thing was, I remember, you know, he's in full costume as his character because they got taken, it got taken on board while they were in costume at some convention so it was like I think they were fighting or something and with some other alien and he comes back and there's like blood on him and guts and then his makeup is all messed up and like the forehead part is coming off and his tufts of hair coming out and it's just like wow so dedicated like, he never took it off, you know, the whole time he was on board. He just stayed in character. Well, not in character, but at least dressed like the character and everything. <laughs> and he played, you know, a jerk in that as well. But in the end, most of the characters are pretty jerky in, in their heads, especially Tim Allen's character. But he was more grumpy his character, like, and kind of overcame things in the end. So that's cool. I think he played a lot of characters that you love to hate. Yep. That's the way Snape is. You love to hate him. That's the way he was in Die Hard. Awesome character that he made a really good bad guy. In a lot of things, he played that character that he draws the attention. He, you love hating him. It's just, yeah. Love Actually. Mm. I don't think I've ever seen that one, actually. Actually, you haven't seen Love Actually? You should see it. It's very, very heartwarming and... And sad, but there's so many good parts that are so happy mixed with the sad. Well, maybe at some point we'll have to watch it on this. Just to see Hugh Grant dancing. (laughs) Well, his character, not Hugh Grant. Like, yeah, his character dancing is funny. (laughs) Okay, so let's go ahead and wrap this up. We didn't Uh, even talk about Bowie. You don't even care about Bowie. No. No, I'm not saying you don't care. But we can just do a little bit because I'm not like, I didn't, you know, the only thing I have really to go off of with Bowie is 
you know, of course, his music, and I'm not a huge follower of his music, and I feel bad about that in a way because, you know, I could have been, you know, I could have sat down and listened to different albums, but it's more like, I know his hits, his his singles and all that, and they're awesome. Like, a lot of, uh, and it did, I do notice how his style did change throughout the years and decades and everything, because he did start out kind of Ziggy Stardust, or, where it's more flashy, I guess, and uh, I don't know. Anyways, I just liked his music a lot, but yeah, the thing I have to remember him by is Labyrinth, of course, yeah. and uh, I mean, even in first grade, I was a goblin princess that was like pretty much the female version of of Gareth and uh and it was fun just like my mom did like the eyebrows and had my hair just the same and sewed the costume and everything and yeah it was cool but I didn't have the crystal balls that's okay though <laughs> but yeah the and yes he didn't have the crystal balls <laughs> that, that scene even where I was a kid I was looking at it and going his hands are really animated in that scene where he's rolling the ball back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. His arms are just flailing everywhere to get this thing going back and forth. But his body is very still. And I'm like, how do you do that to where you just move your hands? That's the part that bothered me about it. How do you just move your hands and not move your body? And of course, later... Um, I saw something about the movie, and they were talking about how they uh, had a separate actor there doing all the movement on the hands. It's like, okay, well, this makes... Did you know that he was behind him the whole time and couldn't see what he was doing? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it seems like... It seems like I heard that. Uh, Casey had just said that the uh, actor was using the ball him was actually behind him and couldn't see what he was doing so that he was doing that blind. whole scene uh, blind that just made it so much more awesome because I specifically remember that scene because it never seemed quite right but I didn't know how they had done it you know and that's kind of the scenes that fascinate me or the ones that you feel like you're going wait a minute here how do you do that? You know? And in that movie, I thought he did a really good job. I really liked him in it, but I hate to say it. Other than his music, that was kind of the only thing that I really noticed him in. And the way I am with a lot of music is I will listen to the radio and hear whatever comes on. I don't necessarily pay attention to who sings it or whatever. So my taste in music runs the full gambit because I don't focus on who's singing as much as the songs I enjoy. And so whenever I start finding out who sings certain music, it always amazes me because it's like, you know, all of a sudden I realized a few years back that, oh wait, I'm a Beatles fan because they have so many songs I heard at work all the time. I did retail, so we heard um, Beatles songs like on constant repeat in there. And I never realized that's who it was because I never have been that focused on uh, individually on music. 
Um, and then with David Bowie, they had started playing uh, KGON, a local station here, started doing a long set of his music, and I'm going, oh, well, I guess there are a lot of songs of his that I like. You know, and so I like his music. I thought he did a great job kind of beginning to end. I heard some of his more recent stuff, and it's pretty good. Can't say I know much about Glenn Frey at all, except for the he was the the founder. He was the founder of the Eagles. I mean, I watched a documentary that they had on HBO about the Eagles, and he seemed to be kind of more like like because there was a part point where they broke up, you know, and then they (coughs) they replaced a band member. (laughs) He did some solo songs. I know that he tried to have a solo career, and that didn't work. He had like one hit. I can't remember what it's called right now, but. It was a pretty good one. Yeah, that kind of goes back with the Eagles, of course. You know, I love their music, so we lost quite a few very good people over the last week or so, and, you know, it, uh, it's it been a bad week for that. So, going out to all you celebrities out there, stop dying. <laughs> Just stop it. Yeah, all you cool people. And then there was the fox, the man who was the voice behind Robin Hood in the Disney classic film. The animated feature was the fox version of Robin Hood um, named Brian Bedford. We lost him as well. Casey didn't want me to forget that one. Because <laughs> he, was, he was like a, a little bit of an animated crush of ours. Plus he was a fox. Robin was such a fox. A fox. And he was a fox. Ah. Yeah. I just liked his teeth. Like the way their teeth looked. Like even Maid Marian. It's just like the way their teeth look. They're just like, oh, it's so cool. One during like this whole thing. They played it one a couple times and it was just like, oh, cool. And with the snake. I swear they used like some of the characters again. Like, or the animation, like. There was probably a bear and all, and like the little, like, rabbit kid, and he's like, he puts on his hat, and he's like, oh, it doesn't fit, and he's like, oh, you'll grow into it. <laughs> and then there were the tiny little mice that were like, oh, Friar, was it Friar Tuck? Friar Tuck, I'll give you some of my money, I'm so sorry. They'd like this big coin, and it's this little mouse, and he just puts it in the little collection box and he's like oh dear that's kind of a (laughs) sad note to end the podcast on it's it's all part of life and you know it's the cycle it tends to stand out a little bit more when you have multiple celebrities especially iconic ones iconic yeah ones that uh pass away all right in a short time frame it you know, it's a bad start to 2016, but it is what it is. Yep. On that happy note, you guys have a good month, and we will talk to you on the next podcast. See you later. Hey, listeners, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Film Underdogs, or go on to our Facebook page, Film Underdogs. 
Be sure to follow us on iTunes or Stitcher, Beyond Pod, whatever podcast player you use, we'll be there. Always remember to follow your dreams and stay inspired. Je crois qu'il m'en faire la même chose pour le Didi.